Let's turn in the New Covenant to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read from verse 25. Hebrews 12, 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Verse 26. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he is promising, yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Verse 27. Now this yet once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. 28 and 29. Amen. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we pray that you would anoint Danny with your spirit, that you would anoint Vova and Renee and others that are translating, Father, with the Holy Spirit. Father, that we would all be able to hear the word of the Lord. Father, we praise you and we thank you. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Amen. I felt this morning from the Lord that I should speak about the whole subject of earthquake. Some of the things that we're going to be reading about this morning are specifically spoken about in the book of Haggai, the prophet. We won't read from it this morning, but you can find it in Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. But we can see the connection between what is written in Haggai, the prophet, and what is written in the book of Hebrews. And then we're going to give you a background of what happened during the time of Haggai, the prophet. Those of you that know the history of Israel know that um, after the temple was destroyed, the people were dispersed. God said that he would send them forth for a time period of 70 years. After 70 years, God used the king of Persia, whose name is Koresh, and he sent a convoy of Jewish people from Persia to Israel, to Jerusalem, to help build up the temple. And all of the loot and the things that they had in their possessions, the people of Babylon, the king of Koresh sent them back with those things back to the temple to help build up the temple. The Jews came to Israel, and instead of starting to build up the temple like they were supposed to, they started to build their homes. They started to worry about all of their personal things that they needed. And then all of a sudden, Haggai the prophet comes on the scene. So he comes to the people of Israel, to the leadership of Israel, and he says in very simple words, what happened to the building of the temple? What are you doing? And then there were those people that were in Babylon, that were from the house of David. And we have Joshua, the high priest. They heard this call and they received this call from God together with the people. And they started together to build up the temple of God. And during this whole process of building up the temple, something changed and happened to the people of Israel. They lost their motivation for building. They realized that the second temple that they were building was not exactly as nice or as beautiful as the first temple that Shlomo built. And there were those in that envoy of people that actually had seen the first temple from Solomon. So they knew how to they knew how to put the two together and see the differences. 
But Haggai gave them a promise from God, and he said that the glory that you see in this house now will be greater than the glory that was felt then. Then he gives us the scripture verses that God is not going to just shake the ground and the earth, but he's going to shake the heavens. A lot of rabbinical teachings states that this type of shaking is going to happen when the Messiah comes back and he's going to dwell in Jerusalem. But I believe that God is also speaking to us for this time, that he's going to come and bring a type of earthquake in order to fall down or break down, tear down everything that is not of him. So Danny has been studying a little bit about earthquakes. And you know that in the world, each year, while wow, there are half a million earthquakes recorded, 100,000 people, uh, 100,000 of them are starting to cause major damage. So when there's a earthquake, something happens down deep down in the core of the earth. There's a type of pressure that is going on down there especially those that are on on the breakage point or the certain area where there's lines that are especially breaking. In 1957, there was a great earthquake in China. 830,000 people died. And the size of that was eight or nine on the Richter scale. And some of you have, remember even watching on the TV the uh, earthquake that happened in the ocean a few years ago, the one that caused the tsunami to come and completely overtake, with the water to overtake Indonesia. It completely took over Sri Lanka and India. 820,000 people, sorry, 280,000 people died. And so we often think, is it possible that a type of earthquake like this could actually happen in our country, in our land of Israel. So Danny has been checking out this subject and this is what he's found. And isn't it very encouraging, this message? <laughs> very. <laughs> Hallelujah. So our country, Israel, is exactly on the break of the great rift valley of eastern Africa. So in 749, 749 BC, so we read in the book of Amos, in chapter 1, that there was a great earthquake that happened at that time. In the year 1837, there was a great earthquake that happened in the Galilee area. Historians tell us that the city of Tzfat was completely ruined. And they also tell us that more than 5,000 people died in this earthquake. And you won't believe this, but that type of earthquake caused a small tsunami in the Kinneret, in the Sea Galilee. And it was able, that tsunami was able to overtake Tiberias and other areas that were right down along the Sea of Galilee. So in 1927, there was another earthquake, a great earthquake that was in the area of Ramle and Shem and Jerusalem. In the year 1995, there was even an earthquake down in the area of the Dead Sea and Elat. And even just this last year in the month of February, there was an earthquake that was felt here in the country that was on the scale of 4.4. And so our scientists are telling us and our researchers are telling us that very soon we will have a very high earthquake. And you don't even have to be uh, 
great profit to know this. Many of our scientists are telling us this. And is this all new, this talk of earthquakes in the Word of God? Is this new? Let's go to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24. In this chapter, the Lord is speaking up at the end of days. And some of the, even some of the people said to Yeshua, Look, look at this temple, it's so beautiful. Matthew 24, verse 4. Yeshua answered them and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Verses 7 and 8. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. So here, Yeshua is already prophesying that there will be in this area, in this country, many earthquakes and pestilence, disease, famines. So Danny says he does not fear the physical earthquake that would happen as much as a spiritual shaking that will happen. Look what happens. Verse 10. And then many will be offended. They will betray one another, and they will hate one another. Verse 12. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Verse 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. So he continues to tell us, even in this chapter, more important things. Verse 24. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, ever even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. I believe that God has given me this word this morning for Danny as a warning and as a type of preparation for us. There will be a type of shaking, an earthquake that will visit all the body of Christ in all the world. And the central point of this earthquake that will happen will be right here in the country of Israel. And we will feel it more than anybody else in the world. And I believe that this earthquake will not just be physical, but it will be something that will visit each believing person. I speak about a wave of persecution. So we see that even Yeshua is already prophesying that when these things start to happen, the because lawlessness is abounding, the love of many will grow cold. I believe the worst thing that could happen to a believing person in Messiah is that his love for Messiah will grow cold. Amen. I believe that God will use those people who are holding on to him, holding fast to him. He will use them in ways they've never known. There will be Antichrist rising up. There will be people who will be teaching for the Antichrist. And they will have power to do signs and wonders. But listen, and there will even be those that do signs and wonders in the name of Yeshua. But they will be false prophets, lying prophets, because they have not learned the law and the prophets and the, the words of Jesus, of Yeshua. And in this shaking, this shaking that is going to come to us, even those who are considered strong, they will also be in danger of falling. So 
why do earthquakes happen at all? I'm not speaking just about physical. I'm speaking about why does God allow these shakings and these things to happen in our lives? Listen to this example that happened a year ago. We went through a war, a war that was not easy. You remember that for a good full month, we were running between the bomb shelters to our rooms, between siren to siren, never sure exactly what was going to happen. Our army went forth into a, a war. And even until today, they, all the army, all the politicians are checking and researching and wondering and having committees and discussions about why this war failed. And they realize that this war brought the political leaders and our army into a great shaking. And so they said that, okay, at this time we will look at all of the things that we failed at and we will try to fix them. Because if we need to stand against for another war, we will be more prepared and we will be better able to fight. When God shakes us, He wants to prepare us for things that are greater and bigger that will happen. So I can see in this the grace of God, the love of God. Okay, I'm going through a hard time right now, but know that God is preparing you. I'm preparing things for you that I know that are going to be hard for you, but they are there to prepare you and to keep you and to straighten you. Imagine going to the school and learning and learning and learning. You can be in the classroom with another like 40 people like we have in the country of Israel, 40 kids in a class. And there were some that sat in the classroom that were like astronauts in the classroom. In the speaking that they were sitting there, but their mind was really someplace else. It's a joke. Come on. <laughs> Who was an astronaut in the classroom? <laughs> Be careful. But the moment that it came time for the test, and all of a sudden you have all of these questions, if you don't know, maybe you'll make up some stories, or the same day you'll say, oh, I don't feel good, or maybe you won't even write anything down. All of these things that we are experiencing now in our life daily, we will, in one way or another, have a test on them. And so this shaking that is going on in our life is something that God is allowing to prepare us. The earthquake is checking our foundation. If you remember the earthquake that happened in Turkey years ago, you'll know that what they realized in that earthquake the earthquake was very high and strong earthquakes that happened a lot in Japan and the area of Japan but the destruction that they found in Turkey just from this small scale earthquake it was so big that they were checking why are these big huge buildings after such a small earthquake why are they falling they realized that the bases and the foundations for these buildings were very weak. They used more sand than cement. They didn't even have strong pieces of metal in there in order to hold the foundation. So maybe you could stand outside one of these buildings, you say, wow, what a beautiful building. It's so nice and strong. But the moment that there came a test, everything fell. And I say to this morning, brothers and sisters, 
everything that we build, we are going to go through a test on it. We are going to go through a fire. And if we have built properly, amen, we will stand. We will succeed. But the grace of God says, even if everything falls, you build again. Strengthen your foundation. I will help you to build. In Ezekiel 37, in Ezekiel 37, it says that soon we will go through the war is from Gog and Magog. And it's supposed to be the last war. And it's supposed to be in the Megiddo Valley. And a great army will come from the north and will battle against the people of Israel. But it says that at the same time, that God will bring forth the biggest earthquake that has ever happened in history. Mountains will fall. Do you know what this means? That the people that came, uh, that the people that come at that time for that war to make battle against the people of Israel, those are the people that have made and caused God to be angry. When God is angry and he is full of wrath, when he is angry and full of wrath, the country shakes. And an earthquake also symbolizes the judgment of God, the judgment of God on the enemies of God. And so in the book of Revelations, we read the story about the seven bowls that are filled with the wrath of God. And it says that when the seventh bowl is poured out, it will cause such a great destruction and earthquake on the people of Israel, on the land, on the earth in general. And like I said at the beginning, I believe that God wants to prepare us. So Danny has prayed that God would show him somebody from the scriptures that has gone through this shaking, that we could learn from him. Let's go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Luke 22, verses 31 to 34. Luke 22. Here Yeshua is speaking to his disciple, Peter, Simon Peter. Starting with verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fall. When you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said, Lord, I am ready to go with you, both to prison and to death. Our enemy, Satan, in order for him to do anything, he needs to get the permission from God. When we read and we know the story of Job, we see that Satan came to God and asked permission from God to try Job. And so we see from the book of Job that Job was an upright man. He was pure. He had honor towards God. And Satan says to God, you know, if you take away his property, if you take away his wife and his children and all the good things we have, he has, then you'll see that he's not faithful to you. And God allowed him to do this. But Job, Job did not fall. Job did not deny Christ, deny God. Even Satan asked to, to touch Job physically, and God allowed that. And even at the end, he did not deny God. He stood firm before God and his faith in God and his belief in God. And I want to say to you that when we go through this type of shaking, this type of sifting in our own personal lives, this is not something that is hidden from God or we are hidden from God. 
God knows it. But more than anything, God has allowed this to happen. And here, Yeshua is speaking about Simon Peter. It's interesting here that he says to him, Simon, Simon, instead of Peter, Peter. Simon was his old name. Like Jacob, his name was Jacob, and then it was changed to Israel. But here we see that God says that Satan is going to try and sift him along with the others. We're going to look at a picture right now. At least we hope we are. At least we hope we are. We received a word this morning during the praise and worship that God calls us up to the threshing floor because he wants to take away all the chaff. The instrument that the lady is holding up in her hand is a type of sifting tray, a type of uh, screen or netting that has little holes in it. And so God, Yeshua says to Simon, Simon, Satan wants to put you exactly like in the top of this tray and to sift you along with the other disciples. Now imagine that you have just received a word from the Lord like this. It's not exactly encouraging. And nobody really wants to go through this sifting or these trials in their lives. But God has allowed it to happen. But Yeshua continues to say to Peter, he says in verse 32, but I have prayed for you. I can say like David said now, hallelujah. And this is one of the things that encourages us. It doesn't matter what testing or trial I go through. Yeshua is there with me. He is there praying for me. And he says, after you're, you're going to fail, after you come back, strengthen your brothers. And so Simon, with full assurance there, Simon was a fisherman, very strong fisherman, uh, determined from the Galilee area. He was a Sabar, a original Israeli from the land. He had such self-confidence in himself. If you learned his life, you would realize that he was like always the first at everything. And like I said earlier, that God changed his name, Yeshua changed his name from Simon to Peter, which means a rock, something strong. He always said what he thought. He, he was the one that Yeshua said, come out of the boat, walk on the water. He was the one that Yeshua said to him, who am I? And he responded, you are Christ. And he was the one that had the keys to heaven. All of the promises, it obviously allowed Simon Peter to have just a little bit too much self-confidence. He says to Yeshua, he says, I am ready to go with you to the end. If I'm going to go to prison, we're going to go to prison. And even to death, I can, I wanna, I'm ready to give my life to you. And I'm going to tell you something. I believe that Simon really meant this. I believe that he was really serious about what he said. But Yeshua wanted to teach him something very, very important. That he could not continue to walk in his own power. That he needs to learn to trust in God. That he doesn't need to live his life with the Lord now according to his past. And you know the story. In the same night, Simon denied, Simon Peter denied the Lord three times. And it says he went out from there and he cried a deep 
crying, bitter crying. But thank God for his grace because Yeshua was praying for him and he came back. When I heard the message last week that Pastor David spoke about the days of Shavuot, Petrus was one of the ones that stood with his people in Jerusalem. After the Holy Spirit came, he was no longer one who was afraid. He was one who was determined to bring forth and declare the name of Yeshua. And 3,000, more than 3,000 people came to the Lord that day. Romans 8.34 says that Messiah, Yeshua, is always alive. He is always alive and there at the right hand of the God, making intercession for us. He is there praying for each one of us. Some of you are already inside your own sifting. Many of you will even feel that sifting in the very near future. Amen. God wants you to know that He is here with you and He is praying for you. And He will give you the grace that you need to go through it. Let's go to First Peter chapter 4. Since we're speaking about Peter, let's see what exactly he wrote. First Peter chapter 4. I believe that Simon Peter went through this test very well. First Peter 4 verse 12. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trail, which is to try you, as though some strange thing has happened to you. And so when a trial fire comes to you, you don't have to be in this frame of mind of like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to him? Don't be surprised. Brothers and sisters, it's all part of the package deal. Sometimes, you know, we want a break. We want a holiday. I remember, Danny remembers once that his wife, Luann, went on some sort of uh, oh, some sort of cruise with uh, her best friend years ago, and they had like four meals a day. Everything was included. <laughs> all of these different things were all included. Okay, so when I said yes to Yeshua, there was a whole package. Everything was inclusive. And in this package... There are times that we have fiery trials. So don't think it's strange. Uh, sometimes Danny says it's funny when you hear somebody else say to, to another person, you know, if you accept Yeshua, your life will just be great. It'll just be wonderful. Yes, it's true. There will be good things. But there are also those things that are included in that package that are fiery trials, siftings, problems, trials. But God has allowed them to happen to you because he wants to make you stronger. Look at what he continues to say. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So what do we need to do during these times, these fiery trials? Be joyful. Amen. Be joyful. Rejoice. This is not normal, right? But brothers and sisters, we are also on a road that is not normal. Do you know what not normal is? Those that do not know the Lord, those are the ones that are not normal. Normal is to know the Lord God and to walk in His ways. And then he says, verse 14, If you are reproached for the name of Messiah, blessed are you. 
for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If you are going through these trials just because you are a believer, the first thing you need to know is that Yeshua is praying for you. And the second thing, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the glory of God is resting upon you. Amen. And he's giving you the grace and the strength to go through this test. So quickly, he wants to finish this. Go to Acts chapter 4. It's better proper to say that this is the Acts of Yeshua through the apostles. Kaifa and John were used through God to heal somebody who was handicapped. And all of a sudden in Jerusalem, you see a person who was handicapped is healed. And so at the same time, the Rabbanut is asking him, how were you healed? And he says, they prayed for me, and I was healed in the name of Yeshua. So then they take Kepha and Yohanan in front of the Sanhedrin, and they're asking them, how did this happen? What did you do? And they said, in the name of Yeshua. And then all of those people around them got angry at them. And they said, don't declare this word, this name of Yeshua. Then they even threw them into jail. They threatened them. And then they released them. And so when Yohanan and Kepha come to their friends, they find believers. And they're praying together. And they're requesting and seeking God's face. And if you see in their prayer, you see in their prayer there is no such thing as God rescue us or save us or God guard over us. There is no prayer like this because they knew this is part of the package. But what did they pray? Let's see. Verse 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants with all boldness that they may speak your words by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Yeshua. What a special prayer. Give us more of the Holy Spirit. Allow us to do signs and wonders. And when you pray in the right manner, God is going to give you the answer. And look at what the answer is. Verse 33. Sorry, verse 31. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And when there is a sifting and a trial that is going to try our faith, there's going to be another earthquake. And that earthquake is put forth by the glory and the power of God. The Holy Spirit filled them. Paul and Silas, they were thrown in jail. They received beatings only because they, they declared the name of Yeshua. But the same night in the Roman jail, what did they do? Were they saying, oh, I'm hurting. Why am I hurting? Is that what they did? It says that they prayed. And they sang praise and worship songs. Why did they do this? They knew this was part of the package. They knew that the fires were going to come. And you know what makes all the difference? And when you go through this sifting and through this earthquake and this trial, your approach can bring all the difference. You can complain. You can start to blame other people. 
Or you can lift up a prayer to God and to sing Him a praise and worship song. Give thanks to the Lord. For His mercy endureth forever. Give thanks, give thanks. Give thanks to the Lord. For He is good. Ho do ho do ho do ho do ho do la do kito. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. When they finished singing their praise song, there was an earthquake all over the jail. All of the chains, gates were opened, and God raised up the first congregation. Brothers and sisters. There's going to be an earthquake soon. Fiery trials are going to come. But it is the grace of God that is preparing us now. And my prayer is that we will have the right approach, the right attitude. Because God is going to use that to strengthen us and to use us. Let's stand. Oh, Father, Revelations chapter 12. You don't have to turn there. Danny's going to just tell us. Revelations 12. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their life to the death. In the blood of the Lamb, the testimony of their faith. Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your grace that allows us to be prepared, Father, for things that are going to happen. Father, I pray for each person who is in this place right now. Let's raise our hands to the Lord, and we say, we pray, this morning we pray, Lord, prepare me for the things that are coming in the future. Prepare me, Lord. God wants us to check our foundations now. He wants to prepare us. Father, I pray that you would watch over and prepare each one of us this morning. Father, that this would be the time that we would check our lives before you. Everything that is not of you that it would be taken away from our life. Those of you that are playing with sin, Danny believes this morning that God is telling you this is the time to finish with it. There is no, not much time. This is, this is the time to quit playing around with your faith. This is the time that you need to take your stand for, for Messiah because the moment that the testing comes, you will not be able to stand. Father, we pray that you would touch each person here today. In the name of Yeshua, we pray. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Soon we are going to take part in the Lord's Supper. And I want to, before that, I want to offer those people. There are those people here that are going through a sifting. You're going through a trial, and you need somebody to encourage you and to uplift you. So together with the prayers of Yeshua, we want to stand with you and we want to pray for you. So if that's you, we want to invite you to come forward. If you're going through trials or problems that you need encouragement, we want to stand with you in prayer.